Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. That's playing the game the right way. It's doing all the little things. We can't go out and play eh, halfway. We can't play 80%. It's not in our DNA. And so we're going to go out and play hard. If we win, great. If we don't win, hey, we go back home to Fayetteville and we'll get ready for a regional. Well, you certainly want to see guys like Jared Wagner, Tavian Josenberger, and Jace Borfin uh, get to where we've seen them be, be three of the more important players, not just uh, for this Arkansas team, but across the Southeastern Conference. Uh, Josenberger has been back a couple of weeks. He's finding ways to get on base by walking. Timing's a little bit off. Uh, Wagner hit a ball off the fence and had a ball that was hit 115 miles an hour played by the third baseman at Vanderbilt over the weekend, but his timing still seemed a little bit off. It's been a couple weeks since Chase Borfin really got going, and, you know, one thing's for certain, all these players have been able to play very well at home, and that's where Arkansas is going to be playing their postseason games. But you still want to get into that postseason feeling that you're playing well and that you've and that you got some of your better players doing what they do. Wagner hitting some home runs. Josenberger finding ways to get on base. And Borfin, who, when he's on, could very well be the, the one of the best hitters in the entire country. Yeah, I think I think Phil for for these guys, especially especially Tavian, Jared Wagner, they can come down here, relax, and just get some get some at bats in, you know. And there's not all the pressure of, you know, winning the SEC West or or winning the overall SEC. They can come down here and just just see some pitches, get some good at bats in, get their timing back. I think Jared Wagner's really close to getting locked back in, and I think Tavian's the same. And Tavian's had good at bats, even though he's he's only got a couple of hits in the last two series. I think he's like two for seventeen um, versus. Uh, Vandy and South Carolina, but he's gotten on base a ton of times. He's scored. He's played great center field, and that's a huge center field out there, so it's a huge benefit to have Tavian in, in center field for us. So I think that's the key, get some freshmen some work in. But like you said, the 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 best thing for me is knowing how well we play at home. And these guys hit better at home. They pitch better at home. We do everything better at Baum Walker, and so... Hey, when we get back there, I, I'm not worried about anything. Yeah, that, ma- that makes this. A di- that's why this is a limbo season. Yeah. You know, for Arkansas, there's really not very much to gain because when you win a division in the Southeastern Conference, you're going to be a national seed. When you are a league champion, you're going to be a national seed. A&M, they still have something to play for here to solidify a resume to be an at-large team, and they're going to have to go on the road no matter what. But when you look at a lot of the publications, D1 Baseball says there's 10 teams that they feel uh, will have a bid to a regional. A&M is that 10th team. The other nine are pretty much safe and locked in. Might be trying to fight to host a regional. Um, but A&M is the one team that I feel is still on the bubble. And so they've, they've got quite a bit to play for. This is an important game for the Aggies this afternoon. I think so. And then when you're, you're playing a team, that, team that's desperate like that, Sometimes they can be dangerous. I think we're a better team, or I know we're a better team than A&M. I like the pitching matchup today. I like the fact that we're facing Nathan Detmer. Uh, he was he he had a lot last year. He had a great year. This year he scuffled a little bit. Um, we did really well against him when we faced him before. Um, I like this matchup for us. I think it's gonna be a good day for us. Cody Adcock gets the start for the Hogs. He threw four scoreless against the Aggies uh, on a Sunday in that game that Arkansas went up eight nothing and clung on to an eight to seven victory. Adcock's another guy. You know, you use a term that you hear about the hitters quite often. If you can get Adcock going, that would add another really strong arm to a bullpen that has taken shape of late. And when you hear Dave Van Horn talk later on, uh, there's a chance that we might see Will McIntyre come out of the pen as well, because this is a pitcher that they want to get pitching. Now, not overused, but they want to get him pitching. On a, on a routine basis because he's become the guy to come out of the pen twice in a weekend. Yeah, I, I see Dave approaching this game as, you know, let's see what happens the first few innings. Where's the score? Yeah, I think that'll determine who comes in out of that pen next. I think if, if, if you're going into, if, if Cody can give us three or four innings, game's close, you know, you're going to see a McIntyre, stuff like that. If if we get a few runs behind, you're probably going to see a Ben Bybee. You might see a Fouch. I think he'll manage it different depending on where the score is. Uh, 71 degrees. It'll get as hot as 80. Uh, the sun has barely crept through the clouds. Just a couple of blue cracks up above, but it's mostly light gray, bright white. Uh, there, it rained quite a bit yesterday. That's why, of course, you had that game that got uh, that got delayed for a couple of hours. But I think that the uh, I think the weather is going to hold off for the rest of the week. It actually might be pretty comfortable, but 
Uh, Bubba Carpenter, I think you were interested in, in uh, coordinating wardrobes today. We're both wearing jeans. If I would have told you shorts earlier today, would you have put on a pair of shorts? Yeah, I want to be like you, Phil. You're Lord Phil. Why not? You're Lord Phil of the booth. That's so. right. I well, should have put on a white shirt, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, you always go with the vest anyway, so it, it kind of fits you, that's for sure. Uh, at stake for Arkansas and A&M today, the Aggies already have one win. They had to get through the single elimination round. This is the first day of the double elimination round. Uh, the winner and the losers of this game, A&M, um, LSU and LSU and Arkansas and A&M, are matched up in this side of the bracket. Looks like the uh, Tigers might add to the lead. It's going to be 9-3 to three right now with LSU batting at the bottom of the seventh inning. So things are beginning to take shape a little bit. If if Arkansas wins and this game holds, Bubba, we very well may see one of the most exciting pitching matchups that you could see. Hagen Smith will pitch tomorrow, whether Arkansas plays in the winners or the losers bracket. Um, I don't know if Jay Johnson, LSU's head coach, has announced it, but if they're going to go on a normal rest, you're going to see you're going to see Paul Skeens tomorrow, the SEC Pitcher of the Year. I don't know about you, but I'd be really interested in a Hagen Smith versus Paul Skeens matchup, and so would about those 150 scouts behind home yeah. plate. There's a whole bunch of them down there, and I guarantee you that's what they're hoping for. But yeah, I, I, I think that'll be a great matchup. You know, we we got to go out and take care of business today, though, to make that happen. Um, you know, it's odd to see uh, Dylan Cruz just get another base hit. Every time I look up, he's on base, getting a base hit. The he guy's must be in- looking up a lot. Yeah, the guy's incredible. Um, but, yeah, I think tomorrow would be a great matchup if it ends up being us us versus LSU in a winter bracket game. And as we look down below here, and obviously we've got to kill some time because LSU and Carolina are in the uh, seventh inning, and we're not sure what time Arkansas and Texas A&M will start. With, if you're going by yesterday, like the first game of yesterday's session, um, which was Carolina beating Kentucky, or uh, pardon me, beating, um, forget who it was that they beat. I've got my, my, uh, my bracket around me here. Yesterday uh, it was Carolina beating Georgia 9 to nothing. That game went along at the perfect script. It was 2 hours and 32 minutes, which would have worked out pretty perfectly for us today. But you know what? You're right about LSU. They slow things down. Their bullpen struggles sometimes. So maybe I should have thought ahead a little bit better and planned for a three-hour game. But there's all that purple and gold and yellow down in the stands and... I mean, I will say, you can say what you want about the LSU fan base, but they always show up in Hoover. And Razorback fans have showed up as well. A lot of them, you can see the red dotted throughout the stadium. Um, they, I'm sure they'll all coalesce behind the, the, the first base dugout when Arkansas plays over there today. And by the way, I think I told you the wrong dugout when you texted me because Arkansas is going to be in the first base dugout as the home team. That's where LSU is right now. Uh, killing me, Phil. E-E-Phil to start off the day. Yes, well, it's the first piece of information I gave you. At least I told you the right thing I was wearing, right? And I am a little bit, I'm a little warm with my jeans on, Phil. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. It'll be nice and comfortable once, uh, once things really get going for the Hawks. Um, Arkansas last year, there's another base hit. That's Tommy White. Talk about guys who just collect hit after hit after hit. Hey, it's the bottom of the seventh inning. If LSU scores three more runs, that's game, set, match. And there's only one out, and they've got a chance here with Trey Morgan batting. So you do have run rules. Remember, before this year, when the SEC instituted a run rule for SEC regular season games, the only time you would see a run rule uh, in a game involving two SEC teams would be right here in Hoover. Well, you know, I don't think I've ever pulled for Trey Morgan in my life, but right (laughs) now I'm pulling for a bomb. It's funny how how you decide to root for certain people based upon the idea that we don't really... Hey, I like sitting here killing time with you for as much as we do. It's pretty easy. That's why we do the whole Bases Loaded podcast, because there's the stuff that we'd like to say on the air that we don't have the time. But that would be that would be one aspect of it. It's pretty hard right now to sit here and root for a three-run homer by an LSU first baseman. But, but here we are, and it's happening. He's my new favorite player right now. That's exactly right. And I would just like to see Arkansas and LSU. I wasn't at the series in, in Baton Rouge. I was with women's basketball uh, and... You know, just the fact that Arkansas has a win over LSU in a day where they pitched Skeens. Skeens was great. It wasn't that Arkansas beat Skeens. They won in the 10th inning 
Remember, Reese Robinette hit the pinch hit, go-ahead home run. And that's one of the only times we've seen big country in the SEC portion of the season. So, um, I re- and, it w- and, and, and if that's the case, and, you know, trying to speak it into existence in a sense, it would be a prime time, middle of the afternoon, 4.30 game tomorrow, which the networks would love and the fans would love and I think the players would like to go up against because, truthfully, that also could be a preview of Omaha. Both Absolutely. teams end up getting there because they certainly are going to be in the position to play their games at home. Well, I mean, to play their games at home. Well, I mean, just to see you know, Paul Skeens pitch in person, I'd love to see that against a Razorback offense. I think, uh, I think we had a great approach against him last time we faced him. Um, hit some balls hard, got his pitch count up, but he is the real deal. I mean, he is—he's legit. I'd say he's the top top pitcher in the country. Probably be the number one or number two pick overall in the draft. Probably behind his teammate Dylan Cruz. Oh, when I saw when I saw Morgan hit that ball, you know I was thinking we're just—it's a foul ball, but off the bat, oh my gosh, that's going to get out of here. But no, it did not. It did not. Let's talk about this Aggies team for a moment. Eight and four since they left Fayetteville, and they were zero and three in Fayetteville. And by that point, when you're going into the month of May with a losing record in the league, you got to worry about your opportunity to make a regional. And they still have a losing record in the SEC, fourteen and sixteen. Uh, was A&M's record in the conference. They have the number 10 seed. Uh, so, but, but I think they're probably pretty safe uh, with an RPI in the low 30s. Uh, but it's a team that's found their bats. They have potentially... Now, Charlie Condon won the Freshman of the Year award. Uh, the uh, the uh, first baseman for uh, Georgia. Uh, Carolina's got a great freshman of their own in Ethan Petrie. But Jace Lavalette is just as good as any of them. 19 home runs for Lavalette. Left-handed batter has also stolen 18 bases. You know, they have an interesting mix of a freshman who doesn't play like a freshman in Lavalette and then a lot of veterans who've been, who played in Omaha last year. Jack Moss, the first baseman. Austin Boast. Um, Boast is the uh, is the is the is an outfielder. You got Brian Targach, a left fielder. They haven't had the kind of regular seasons that they're used to having. Targach and Boast both hitting about 50 to 70 points lower than they did last year. But this could be like their last chance to get to the College World Series for a second time in a row. And uh, I think it's a pretty dangerous Aggies lineup. Well, I think it is, and they're they're getting hot at the right time. And DVH talks about that all the time. And that's what DVH's teams typically do is they start to peak towards the end of the year. And you, you see A&M doing that right now. And Schlossnagel, you know, we, we got on him a little bit when they were in Fayetteville about some stuff he did. But, I mean, he's a good coach. He does a pretty good job um, bringing his teams together. He's got a good track record. So we're going to see. We're going to see a good game today. I also, well, I'm also interested to watch Harold Cole at shortstop for this team. Uh, John Bolton injured his left ankle on that little flare in that eighth inning on Friday. And LSU, by the way, might be a double away from ending this ball game. Bases loaded, one out. Hayden Travinsky, the catcher batting, he's hitting fifth in the batting order. And if they score three more runs in this seventh inning, then that's it. And, and then we'll get ready for Arkansas and, uh, and Texas A&M. For Bolton, I think that's the guy that, you know, you mentioned the Brady Slavin's injury from a couple years ago here. Uh, For Bolton, the injury to the ankle is two weeks to the day from the start of the regionals. Um, And the one thing I worry about with him is lateral movement at that position, at shortstop. It's not his ability to hit or even run the bases. It's it's how you got to play that position. And one of the things that John is so doing is controlling his body in all the different ways and all the different place, plays you have to move in every single direction. That's one thing he excels at. So with him... I think you're not going to see him come off the bench. He's pretty much just going to he's pretty much just going to keep that leg up. There's a force play at home plate. I think we're going to have a double play called yeah. on LSU for running out of the baseline. Oh my goodness. It base is loaded. Travinsky hit back to the pitcher. Pitcher throws home, catcher to first base. The throw glanced off the first baseman's mitt, rolled into foul territory, but the plate umpire is ruling that Travinsky was running inside the baseline, which is something we've seen 
before. And honestly, Bubba, I don't know if I see him running inside the baseline here. Do you? That last step, he with his left foot, he crossed over the baseline. But that all the way down the line, he was right on the line. I still think that line needs to be more inside. You you took a direct route from the batter's box, the right-handed batter's box across. You're already across the line. I, I don't know. I think that's that's a that's an issue. I think sometimes. Well, and I think sometimes umpires are distinctly looking for that exact call, especially when it's a catcher that's throwing up the baseline. But when I look at the review, I'm I'm not too sure. I'm I'm not too sure they're reviewing it. And they're confirming it. So, yeah, we're going to have to keep going. LSU didn't do what we needed them to do, Bubba. Oh, well. Oh, well. So, that game's about to go into the eighth inning with LSU leading 10-3. to three. So, uh, Carolina would bat in the eighth and then the top of the ninth. And if uh, they don't uh, make up this seven-run difference, then LSU moves on to the winner's bracket and plays the winner of Arkansas A&M. Carolina will move to the loser's bracket for a 9.30 morning game tomorrow against the loser of Arkansas and Texas A&M. Look at the bright spot, though. They have to use up more pitching. So, you know, my glass is half full, Phil. No, I think your glass is more like two-thirds full. Yeah, three-quarters. I don't know where you come up with just the half-full thing because you always look on the sunny side of things. That must be how you like to eat your eggs in the morning. (laughs) Let me see. I had two donuts this morning, no eggs. (laughs) Well... Well, let, let, let's just keep it here for now because we don't. We don't this hopefully we, it shouldn't take too long. You know, we can try to speak those things into existence. What does Hoover mean? What does Hoover mean to you when when you come here? This is a tournament that um, consistently is denigrated by, uh, and and it's Arkansas fans aren't the only ones that do it. It's I think the entire the entire league. You know, when you're one of the when you're part of the programs that. Usually are getting buys. Well, Arkansas, LSU, uh, until recently, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. You know, you're always looking ahead to the regional. Um, but this is a, this is a great collection of talent. Sometimes I feel like the SEC baseball tournament. It's not a better event than the College World Series because that's all the marbles. Yeah. Um, but the amount of talent that's here with 12 teams from essentially the major leagues of college baseball, that's why they've got the... There are more scouts at this tournament than any other tournament in the country, by far. Well, if you're a baseball fan, you want to come here and watch good baseball. You're going to see the best baseball players in the country right here. I remember a few years ago when we were here, I don't know if you remember J.J. Bleday. Sure. You had Derek Jeter, Jorge Posada, and Gary Denbo sitting right over there in that box scouting J.J. Bleday from uh, Vanderbilt. Well, that's because he knew you knew he was going to be a top 10 overall pick. Yeah. There are two of those players on this LSU team. Yep. And 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 that's why tomorrow I mean maybe maybe well Jeter doesn't have anything to do with the Marlins anymore, so it's the Pirates that have the first overall pick. Do they still have a team? They have a team and they actually have yellow in their colors, so that would fit half of the color scheme for for LSU. <laughs> No, I don't want any purple with the Pirates, though. That's for sure. So if you're a, if you're a Pirate scout, you take uh, Paul Skeen. Do you go with the pitcher or do you go with the stud center fielder? I want the center fielder. Yeah. yeah I want I think, the bat. I think you take the bat, the speed. He's uh, There's not a lot of five-tool players. Everyone talks about five-tool players all the time. He's a five-tool player. He does, he does it all. Well, the other thing, too, is I feel like Skeen's, and it's not just him. It's just the nature of pitching these days. Um, going to spend a year off at some point. Yeah. This seems to be the nature of the position now. So uh, I would expect Cruz probably isn't uh, isn't uh, going to spend a whole season waiting for his arm to heal, but who knows? You know. And so here's another thing. I and mean, we were talking about the two top players for LSU are probably the two best players in the country overall. Best pitcher, best hitter, uh, and that's pretty much bar none. The Florida Gators, the other champion in the SEC, five players on the all-SEC first team. Arkansas is a league champion. Nobody's talking about first-round picks. Nobody's talking about five members. Hagen Smith is the only player on this Arkansas team that was picked on the all-SEC first team. Now, legitimately, Tavian Josenberger and Jared Wagner both had cases before their injuries knocked them out for a month 
and two weeks respectively, um, and they weren't quite the same since. So maybe either one of them would have made it, but they didn't, and th that's indicative of what this team has had to fight through. Injuries to your best players, injuries to your best pitchers. But Dave Van Horn is the coach of the year in the SEC, and that's unquestioned. And that's got, without question, that's one reason. The players deserve all the credit for doing what they've done, for stepping into roles that maybe they weren't ready for and succeeding. But it all starts with the man at the top. In sports, especially in college sports, it does. And out of all the years that Dave Van Horn has been the coach of the Razorbacks, 21st year, or in Division I baseball, or overall college baseball, 35 years, and he's got a national title in Division II, I can't imagine that there's been a job done any better than Dave than this year. No, you're, it, you're right, Phil. It's, uh, you, look at, you look at that Florida lineup, I mean that's that's a that's a good lineup top to bottom. They haven't had the injuries we had. I think my I think my wife could have could have coached them to a, a pretty good season this year. Maybe my 11 year old son Dalton. I don't know, but uh, I think you look at what Dave's done, and and you know I, I mentioned it to DVH before you know before we left uh, Fayetteville. You know, we're during the South Carolina series, I just said, "Hey, you know, Dave, I said it's amazing what you've been able to do, keeping the team together." And then the, the baseball part of it's kind of the easy part to manage. It's 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 pulling the right, you know, the putting the right person in the right spot at the right time, keeping the team together, not allowing the team to use all the injuries for as a crutch, and making excuses. And you see that with a lot of these teams. Look at Ole Miss. Every time I hear someone from Ole Miss talking, they talk about the injuries. Oh, Elliott went down, and so and so went down, and so and so. Went. You don't hear that from the Razorbacks. They they don't. Dave doesn't allow them to make excuses. They just one guy goes down, next guy up. And he's going to step in there and play Razorback baseball and get it done. And I think that's it's just an amazing job at DBH keeping the keeping the team together. They're, every manager I ever played for in my life, Phil, I took on their personality by the end of the season. And you see, the, this team early on took on DBH's personality, and that's the way they play the game. You know, they'll say the, the term "set the tone" is overused. You know, but, but in, in, in a lot of cases, um, the, the the cliches have truth in them. And, and a manager does so much more than just, and I call Dave a manager sometimes. I'm just used to it. In baseball, right. I've even heard him talk about the idea that he even views his job as a manager instead of head coach because he hires coaches and lets them coach. Right. And he manages the game. So maybe I can stick with that. Carolina's about, uh, they, they went down in order in that, in that eighth inning. 10-3 LSU. Tigers coming up to bat in the bottom of the eighth. And so if that goes quickly. But what I think with Van Horn this year... Yeah, I mean, you've got to know who to put in certain situations and things like that. But a lot of those decisions were made for him. After, after the injury to, to, uh, to Peyton Stovall, who else are you going to put at second base? Harold Cole is not a second baseman, or at least he says he's just a shortstop. Peyton Holt is the guy to put there. That's it. And amongst the injuries of the outfielders, it was an easy decision to put Kendall Diggs in right field and put Ben McLaughlin as the designated hitter. I think there was a matter of never looking like you're panicking. And I don't know if that's in Dave's, if that's if that's like you know in his closet anyway to panic because I've never seen him in that mode. But if there was a year to panic or look in, at least in an outward way to your team that you're just not sure how things are going to go, this would be the year. And I talked with Dave about it. He said that the it was after it was the day that Dylan Carter that they knew Dylan would be out for the season with the Tommy John, uh, and 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 he was a little frustrated and he had a conversation with the coaches saying, well, our perspective now is one game at a time, is not to worry about what's going to happen on a Saturday, on a Friday. Let's go win that game that's right in front of us. And then on Saturday, feel the same way about it, so on and so forth. Talk about overused cliches in sports. In baseball, if you hear somebody say one game at a time, it's like the next thing you, hope you expect to see is, hope I can help the ball club, God willing, everything will work out. Yeah. <laughs> In this case, man, the cliche is utter truth. That's the way this team is played. That's the mindset of the players. And I think it starts, again, it starts with the head coach. Yeah, you know, it goes back to the conversation on the bus between uh, Crash Davis and uh, Nuke Lelouch. You Get know, out your notebook. I'm going to yeah. give you your cliches. <laughs> yeah. But you're absolutely right. But, okay, so the thing I've noticed, Phil, throughout the season is more teams, they're seeing this work for the Razorbacks. I'm seeing a lot more TBAs on Saturdays and Sundays, especially Sundays. I mean, we see TBAs a lot on Sundays, but I think more people are going to go to that model and just say, look, let's, let's win this game. 
you know, and then we'll worry about Saturday tomorrow, and then we'll win that game. Um, I don't know. I think it's. Uh, I think. I think it was incredible when they made the decision. People don't realize how hard that decision was to take Hagen Smith out of Friday night because he's a Friday night guy. I mean, I've said it all along. If you Google Friday night starter in the SEC, you see Hagen Smith's picture pop up and name. Um, to pull him out of the starting rotation and put him in the pen, that's a tough decision. That's a huge decision to make. Um, and it worked great, you know, for half the season or however long, three-quarters of the season. But I look at I look at other decisions, too. Look at the... Look at the, and you and I talked about it on the podcast. Look at um, the decision to pinch hit Reese Robinette against LSU. First SEC at bat at LSU on the road. Thursday night, 10th yeah, inning. 10th inning. And what does he do? He hits Jack. You know, we go on to win that game. Look at uh, Hunter Gray. If we don't win that game, we may not be West champions. I mean, this is this is also the idea that when you say every every game means the same, it's another cliche that you yeah. don't always believe. But when you're talking about this and you and you won your division by half a game, yeah. Oh yeah, though that those each one win matter. That's for sure. Yeah, and and look at uh, Hunter Grimes against A and M. So he could have put someone else out there a little bit more offensive oriented than Hunter Grimes, but he went with defense. Hunter gets behind the ball in left center, throws a runner out takes a great angle, um, fields it, makes a perfect throw. Probably the out percentage on that play was uh, probably uh, 95%. He would not make that play because that's it was a tough throw, but he put the ball right there where it had to be. That's another, if Without that throw, we don't win that A&M game. Once again, there's another game that we, we won because Davey H. put the right guy in the right spot, and he trusted him to do his job, and he did it. And I think those are all the little things, that, to me, that really stand out. Almost every time he, he makes a decision like that, it works out. Now, I, I, I don't want to go negative, but you look at the South Carolina series, uh, you pinch hit Jason Jones, you hit into a double play. Yeah, it doesn't always work it out. It doesn't always work that's out. That's why it's like people ask you, what is the phrase that? That's baseball means. Well, that's, that's what it baseball. means. baseball. You're right. But I think Dave does such a great job of coaching from the inside out, and that's what good coaches do. You have a feel for your players, not just physically, but mentally. What are they capable of handling today? And I think that's where Dave's the best. Uh, who is the most valuable pitcher on this team? Pretty easy choice. Hagen Smith. When you talk to Dave Van Horn and Matt Hobbs about that, it's like you were saying. You took your Friday night starter, who was doing well. He wasn't doing great. He was doing well. There was no reason to take him out of that spot. And because your bullpen was a little bit short, you moved him to relief, and he shined in that role. And rather than keep him in that role, when things begin to flesh out a little more amongst your relief pitchers and you're feeling more confident about uh, some of the younger pitchers, uh, and you're getting Brady Tigert back into the starting rotation, you move Hagen Smith back to a Friday night role, and now he's back to where he was, even a little better than he was before he moved to the Sundays. And now Brady Tigert is working his way back. That's another thing about this tournament that I'd like to see. Like, playing three games would be pretty important so right. that Tigert gets another day to pitch against live hitting and maybe get to five innings. Because he's. G- I love where the Arkansas starting rotation is right now. They have a chance to be dominant. Uh, we've seen Holland be dominant. Brady's been nothing but dominant since he returned. And Hagen Smith has the best stuff of the bunch. Well, and I like how they're piggybacking certain guys off of them. So they're taking, if, if Hagen goes deep enough, you can go Gage Wood after Hagen. After Brady, you can go McIntyre. Um, after Hunter Holland, you can go Adcock or... I mean, uh, now that Zach Morris is heating up again, Zach looked great last time out against Vandy. Three innings, uh, no hit. Um, yeah, I just I like those combinations, you know, where they can mix and match these guys coming in after the starter. And, you know, you're, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it's a good combination, and it's been working well. And I, I'm, glad, I'm glad Hagen's back to our Friday night guy. Um, but I don't think it matters. I think I think him having the ball whenever he's got it is good for us. And I think I think the fact that he moved to the bullpen and he embraced that. You know, what if they told Paul Skeens he's going to the bullpen? How would he have handled that? What did I come to LSU for? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so uh, Hagen Hagen embraced it. He wanted to do it because he knew it was going to help the team. And I think that said a lot to the rest of the pitching staff about just your role may change from week to week but whatever it is go out and be the best person you could be in that role and get it done lsu has just gone down in order in the bottom of the eighth inning so they're about to take the field for the top of the ninth 
See, it felt good. You didn't have to root for a three-run homer by Trey Morgan yeah. anyway. Felt all right. That would have felt weird. It would. Yeah, the only thing that would have felt more weird had that been Ole Miss. Of course, they're at home right now. We, we, we haven't mentioned that on the air. Would you like to? Yeah, let's go ahead. We got we got, we got got some time to kill. Let's talk about Mississippi State. <laughs> so I mentioned Hal Ramsey, a, a friend of mine. He played football at, at yes. Mississippi State, and I saw him at the ballpark over the weekend, and he had his Mississippi State stuff on. I said, hey, uh, man, get ready to see, go to Hoover. I'm lo- looking at the schedule. What time y'all play? <laughs> he, he was, he was, wow, not, he was little, not amused. A little early in the baseball postseason <laughs> for what time do those teams play jokes, but it works for them. Yeah, it was a little early, it I think. It definitely works for them. <laughs> I think it's important to take the perspective of looking at those two programs and where they are right now and where Arkansas is right now over the last six, seven years. And I say six years because 2020 really didn't count. I'm looking at 2017. Uh, they have the they have the most wins in the country since 2017 in college baseball. Let me repeat that. Arkansas has the most wins in college baseball over the last seven years. And not only have they never missed out on Hoover since 2016, but Bubba, they have gotten first round buys every year in those last six years. I I reminded Dave of that before I talked to him today. It's like, you realize we haven't played a single elimination game here since 2015? That was Tennessee. It's my first year doing this. I was up here by myself. And they don't... Like, that's where Arkansas is. So you can pretty much pencil pen yourself into the double elimination round, which means you've got one of the top four records in this league. Which means, which usually means you get home games for the tournament, and it does this year. So Mississippi State, they were at that level for a while. They were as consistent as any program in the country until winning the national championship. Ole Miss, just about the same. And, and they have fallen off tremendously. State now for two years in a row. And, and Ole Miss, think about this. Ole Miss had to win... Did they have to win six games in Omaha? Because Arkansas beat them once. Yeah, they won yeah, six, six. They won six SEC games this year. They won six games in Omaha last year. That's crazy. Yeah, there's a little perspective for for how well Arkansas does on an annual basis, uh, and and the, the, you know the wild thing is that this tournament really doesn't have much to do with it, but they do have a championship here in 2021, and it felt like. You know, going into that tournament, because that year, we never had a losing weekend. Um, this year, you talk to the coaches about it. I mean, people people that are competitive don't show up at a tournament like this and, and think to themselves, yeah, I don't want to get to Sunday. I think they actually wouldn't mind getting to Sunday and winning this tournament, but not going, you know, on 150% or, or blowing pitchers out in order to do it. Uh, you and I have talked about this quite a bit. These are these are athletes. They they don't need to be handled with kid gloves. Uh, if if people believe in a curse or or you know that, that injuries are going to happen because you're here, that's not how those guys are looking at it. They're here to play baseball, which means they're here to win games. And winning games is not a bad thing. And winning games also doesn't mean that you overwork people. Uh, so anyway, just I'll get off the soapbox for this SEC tournament as far as that's concerned. Well, no. I just don't see how you show up and you can't, at your heart, at your core, you've been incredibly competitive for the last two and a half months. They had to be competitive to win their positions in the fall. Nothing changes as far as that's yeah. concerned this week. And you know what? These guys don't think about getting hurt, Phil. We think about it. They don't think about it. Like I said like I said on the podcast, if I see Tavian running towards that center field wall, I'm going to be like, oh, don't let it. Don't get it. Let it. Don't run into the fence. You know, Put a pad I, on your shoulder, yeah. please. <laughs> you know, um, but these guys don't think about it. They're baseball players. They're going to come out and play hard every day. Whoever Dave puts in there, if he rests a guy for a game, whoever goes out there, they're going to play 100%. And yeah, I want to bring one thing up. The stat that you said about the most wins the last the last seven years. Seven? Seven years. Seven years. That's incredible. So I heard one of the morning show guys talking about, you know, whether or not we're a blue blood program. 
if we're considered that. And this person said, I'm not going to say his name and throw him under the bus. You know him really well, though. He said, no, we're not because we haven't won a national championship. And I think that's a whole bunch of crap because we are. I don't think you have to have a national championship to be considered a top program in the country. I mean, year in and year out. I mean, I think that's where we're at right now. We haven't won that national championship yet, but year in and year out, we have a target on our back because we're one of the top teams in the country, and it is what it is. I think consistent, consistently good to great teams uh, are what make you blue blood, and, and Arkansas is pretty much going on, like, what, 24 years of that, if yeah. not dating into the late 70s anyway? Florida State, you know, and I hate to bring it up because that's usually, you know, who, who, who uh, you know, associates Arkansas with that program because of, of the lack of national titles under the coach. Um, that, that was as blue of a blood as it got yeah. in, in college baseball uh, under Mike Martin. That was the same with Mississippi State until they, before they won a national title. I mean, they were pretty much the program that helped create the monster that is SEC baseball right now, and I think that the idea, I think that the, uh, the 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 term blue blood is is overused. It's it's talk show fodder, yeah. and I don't think anybody. You know what Arkansas is? It's a destination program. Let's throw the word blue blue blood out here. This is where the top players in the country want to play, and this is where this is where you get ten thousand people to come to a home game, even when it's crappy weather. You're going to go ahead and tell me that doesn't mean they're blue blood? So, fine. It's a destination program. Number one recruiting class in the country next year for a reason. It's because those kids know where they can come to get better. Right. Absolutely. And every kid that comes here that turns down the draft as a high school senior comes here, their draft status goes up. I mean, we can just, we can just name name after name of guys that their draft status has gone up because they've gotten better, they improved, um, and there's no better place to do it. I mean, we've got you know with all the tech. It's one thing to have the technology, but to have the people that know how to apply that technology to make that player better. That's I think that's what separates us. Now, the thing I don't like about it, Phil, is you look at all this NIL stuff. We're looking at a team out there on the field right now that was bought by NIL money. Oh yeah. And Look, NIL has some good there's some good things about it, but I think it's I think it's turned into the Wild West and the transfer portal and all that. I think it's kind of gotten out of control. Um, well, there's a there's a there's help for that. And as um, as disorganized uh, and and as far apart as Congress and it isn't a political thing, or I don't mean to get political at all with this. That's where the answer lies. If you have a wild, wild west amongst the 50 states and you have 50 different laws, that's what Congress is for. That's what Congress is for, to create a level playing field that everybody plays under. And last I look, college sports is an interstate business. So yeah. I, think, I think this is... People say Congress has better things to do. Yes, they do, but they could also do more than one thing at a time, theoretically. But I think that this, is, this has become their... Uh, I think this has become their... Their landscape now, unfortunately, right. but I think it has. Unfortunately, you're exactly right. I don't want them involved in anything they don't need to be involved in, but maybe I just feel like there's got to be some changes. I think uh, I think it's kind of gotten out of control. You know, some guys use the money for the right reasons. Um, I saw a really good story today. Uh, heard LSU pitcher he donates all of his LSU. NIL money to a food bank. I think it's a, I think it's awesome. It was an awesome story they had on SEC Network this morning. See, they do have good people that play at LSU. Yeah, they do. Now the <laughs> fans are the are the jackasses. Can I say that on the air? <laughs> uh. Everywhere we go, I run into people that are LSU fans that are just. Uh, they're they're rude. They're obnoxious. I go back to when we went to the beach a few years ago, and there was a family of LSU people beside us, and they were the most loud, crude, obnoxious people I've ever been around in my life. And they kept setting their tent up right next to ours. And I'm like, you know, I'm sure they're here. Uh, yeah, they probably are. I'll probably hear the dude. I'll probably smell him. Um, Corn dogs. <laughs> but. Uh, Razorback fans don't act like that. We're obnoxious on Twitter. <laughs> but in person, we're pretty cool. We love our team. So is everybody on Twitter, for the most part. Uh, LSU is an out away from ending this game and heading into the winner's bracket. And so all the purple and yellows will stand up. It's a 10-3 score. Tigers have led since the second inning. And they need one more strike. I can't do play-by-play -play under the contract here. And they're going to have another batter come up because that's a walk. 
It's a 10-3 score, so there's really not, not much. You would figure not much that Carolina can do, but it's baseball, and you've seen crazier things since. Bubba, was it here in Hoover last year that we learned about your love of cats and the uh, cat named Tripod? (laughs) Was it here? I'm pretty sure. Because last year, I I think you and I did like three and a half hours of rain delay stuff. Today, it's just maybe an hour at the most. Yeah, I think it was here where we got introduced to Tripod. Unfortunately, I was hoping we'd make it through this segment without bringing Tripod. I was hoping too. You'll notice I've I've like run out of material after 45 minutes here. So we go to Tripod the cat. Whose uh, memory uh, lives off in Radioland somewhere. But that came up last year, didn't it? It it did come up on the air. I have no idea how. Um, Yeah, Tripod the Cat had three legs. Wasn't a strong swimmer, but somehow with three legs. You know, a lot like Razorback Baseball, Tripod found a way to, like, like... he would he took kill. It, he he would it. kill a squirrel. He would catch a squirrel and kill it with 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 one front paw. One squirrel at a time, right? One squirrel at a time because he only had one front paw. But it was amazing that he could do it. So he was he could almost be a Razorback mascot. Uh, see, we, I, I, I didn't even have to bring it up on bases loaded just yet. There was there was no purpose for it. Would have uh, one more strike and that's it. I'd see you brought your sawed off baseball bat. Yes. That thing is that uh, is this thing so this is how, how what's the length of this of this bat? Usually you have a full size bat it's, in the home radio business. It's how twenty three inches. And this used to be a bat, a short bat that I would use. I don't know, Barry Bonds used to have a twenty three inch bat and he could go out and take B P on the field and hit bombs with a short bat like this that. Looks like a baseball version of a nightstick. It kinda is. And the Usher downstairs loves it. He remembered remembered it from last oh, year. Oh, you're the guy. Yeah. He looked at you like that and backed away. Looked at your cross-eyed. So he says he's got one kind of like this. He carries it in his car, actually. Did the Honey um, Stinger Energy Chews make the trip? Yes, they're in my bag. Thank goodness. You know, we'll so. need that at some point because we have been talking now for 43 straight minutes without stopping. So we're going to need those Energy Chews. Yeah, oh, you brought two. How many packs of Honey Stinger Energy Chews are in that bag today? Uh, let me see. I got four. Gosh, this is So if like, we play five games, we're in trouble. This is like the Volkswagen Beetle with the clowns emptying out all there at once. That's for game, energy chews. That's for game five, if there is one. Please end this game at this last <laughs> pitch right here. Please, otherwise we're going through Bubba's entire bag. <laughs> the hit kit. The hit kit travels. Another foul ball. Hey, we can talk about the foul ball that you dove underneath the counter. Well, this um, is one of the only places across the across the conference that you can actually get foul balls hit into your booth. Um, we're above the field. We're above the net. Uh, if it was the the booth below us, I don't know if we'd be able to if, if we'd be quite in that situation. You know, I was hosting my show earlier today, and a foul ball almost came into the booth. I would have caught it. And then I would have had to refilm it, you know, relive the whole thing to prove to you that I can actually catch a foul ball because you still don't believe I can. We need to set the ground rules. Is it a free-for-all? Is it like, you, you ever play 500 as a kid? You're out there in the field and you try to get the 500, a fly ball's 100, a ground ball's 25. You, you and me should not be fighting for foul balls. If you want it, you can have it. Another foul ball. Oh, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, it's like, it's like the old father from the movie Forget Paris. You want it? You got it. I will tell you, one of my proudest moments and best memories of Hoover, believe it or not, even though we won it in 21, and, but m- one of my best memories from that year is a foul ball down the left field line. There was my son and an <laughs> Ole Miss kid, and my son beat him to the ball and t- t- took it away from him. <laughs> took, it, took it away from the Ole Miss kid. See, that's more it was a proud dad moment. <laughs> This ought to do it. Ball game. LSU wins 10 to 3. So Carolina's 1 and 1. South Carolina plays the loser of Arkansas A&M tomorrow at 9:30 in the morning. And the winner of the Razorbacks and the Aggies plays LSU tomorrow at 4:30 in the afternoon. And there you have it. So now you got to get the LSU fans out, the Razorback fans and the Aggie fans in. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kill a little bit more time here because I'm not exactly sure what time the next game will start. Usually they put about 45 minutes between games. Uh, Arkansas, here come the Razorbacks uh, out, of the, out of the walkway by the first base dugout. They're the home team, so they're, they're going to wear the whites today. A&M as the road team is uh, coming out of the third base dugout with their equipment bags and Everything else in tow, and they are wearing the maroon and the maroon jerseys and the gray pants. 
I think we're done with rain for the rest of the tournament. I've seen a lot of people on social media talking about the want and maybe the need for this tournament to at some point be played in a domed stadium. You know, because once... Well, I mean, even now, with A&M in the league, when Texas and Oklahoma join this league, uh, you can look a little bit farther west. And there are domed stadiums that host college baseball. In February and even now, you know, Globe Life Field hosts the Big 12 tournament. Hogs have played in the Astros Stadium and in the Rangers Stadium. They're scheduled to play in Arlington next year. Uh, I don't know if that is what the SEC would be looking for because they played every tournament since 1999 right here in Hoover. This was a tournament, Bubba, believe it or not, when you go back and look at the media guide, and I wasn't around to do the games then, they used to they played this tournament in the New Orleans Superdome, which is not a baseball park and not made for baseball either. So at some point, they were looking to play indoors anyway. You know, when I look out here, though, Phil, this looks like baseball to me. The dirt field, the grass. you got the grounds crew out there getting it ready right now. This is baseball. I, I mean... It'd be nice being in a dome because you don't have to worry about rain outs. But I tell you what, this is baseball. I like to see guys out there on the field dirty. I think of Peyton Holt running around diving dirty, you know, eye black smeared all over his face. I mean, that's baseball. That's what a baseball player is supposed to look like. You don't get that on a turf field. Like, I think of Vandy and the little Vandy boys. They don't get dirty. You know, there's no dirt anywhere around. And to, I don't know. I just, I, I just don't think that's baseball. And that's why I love I love this place. I love Bomb Walker. Yeah, this is the only other park outside of Baum Walker in the entire conference that has no artificial surfaces, none whatsoever. So I do, for that reason, I do kind of like playing here. And the other idea, too, I mean, baseball is a traditional thing. There are traditions for the SEC tournament. Orange soda and ice cream sandwiches would be one of them, which I did stuff my face with that yesterday during the rain delay. And the other traditions are sitting around watching the tarp, which we don't have to do now because the sun has broken out. The Razorbacks are starting to warm up in right field. So is Texas A&M in left field. And that's what's called doing 50 minutes of radio straight without a commercial break. Not bad. It's the Built Ford Tough Dugout Show presented by the Arkansas Ford Dealers. That's where you find the F-150. The only truck tough enough to be called the official truck of your Razorbacks. You can visit your Arkansas Ford dealer or log on to buyfordnow.com. We're going to talk with head coach Dave Van Horn about Arkansas and Texas A&M. First, this from Coca-Cola. And we're back with breaking news. Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever. That's right, Jim. Coke Zero Sugar is a must-try for any Coke fan, so make sure you... Jim. <laughs> Jim. We're on the air. Ooh, yes, this tastes like the best Coke ever to me. Your thoughts, Jen? Well, can I have a sip? (laughs) Jen, we're in the middle of reporting the news. I need to try it first. I'm here with the shoot-up, Pat Bradley, for Saracen Casino Resort. There's Vegas, and then there's Vegas, Arkansas-style. Experience all the fun and games of 2,000 slots, 45 table games, poker, and world-class dining right here at Arkansas's favorite place to win, Saracen Casino. Just like you're shooting, Pat, Saracen is so pure. You know what they say, if you can actually do it, it ain't bragging. Join us at Saracen Casino Resort, only 40 minutes from Little Rock. Gambling problem? Call 800 522 Great game days start with calling the Hogs. And with powerful towing and payload, the 2023 Ford F-150 truck answers the call. No wonder F-Series are America's best-selling trucks 46 years straight. The Arkansas Razorbacks and F-150 greatness starts here. Visit your Arkansas Ford dealer or buyfordnow.com. Based on 1977 to 2022 calendar year total sales. We'll be back with more of the Built for Tough Dugout Show presented by your Arkansas Ford dealers after this short break. You're listening to the Razorback Sports Network from Learfield. Hi, this is Ken Hatfield for Harps Food Stores. I get excited this time of the year about family, friends, great food, and watching or listening to my favorite team, the Razorbacks. When it comes to great food, I just go straight to Harps. Their team of friendly employees treat me like family. Help me find everything I need for watching the game, my favorite comfort food. Harps has the best cuts of beef, the freshest produce and bakery items, and my favorite Martha Harp rolls and fresh fried chicken. Be part of the winning team. Harps, hometown fresh. 
Hog fans. Be sure to get and stay connected on game days with the official Arkansas Razorbacks game day app with free live radio broadcasts, social media streams, and all the scores and stats surrounding the game. The Razorback game day app has the content you need to follow your hogs no matter where you are. Download the Razorback game day app today from the App Store or the Google Play Store by searching for Arkansas Razorbacks game day and be connected. Welcome back to the Built for Tough Dugout Show, presented by your Arkansas Ford dealers, where you'll find the F-150, the only truck tough enough to be called the official truck of your Razorbacks. Time now to head inside the dugout and hear from head coach Dave Van Horn. Here's Bill Elson. Dave, traditionally, Arkansas is is the first team here in Hoover. I think that was probably the case. You guys got here Saturday night after the final game at Vanderbilt. So what? it's three days. What what has the three days been like? Yeah, it seems like we've been here a week, honestly. Um, but it's it's been good. You know, you have a chance to rest up, but at the same time, get some work in, talk to the players about you know what we what our plan is, and talk about this this tournament, talk about next week, next weekend, and you know just staying focused and hooked up. And obviously, time you got to continue to get better. And you know, if you want to win from here on out, you you've got to. You got to have the right mindset, but you got to keep climbing the ladder. I know a couple of the guys. I think Coach Hobbs referred to it as well after Saturday that it might take a little bit to sink in about about winning the SEC regular season championship and what that means because Saturday was bittersweet. It was, and you know we knew in about the fourth inning that that LSU had lost to Georgia and that you know we had at least a share of the overall SEC championship and. Um, obviously the West and you know the first thing you want to get if you're in a division you want to win that division that gives you an opportunity to win overall and and we had McIntyre in the game at the time and you know he was throwing great and he felt great but he'd already thrown 50 pitches two days earlier now he was in the 30s we just we were just trying to take care and we're, we're trying to look at the big picture and down the road and we, you know, we had a two-run lead, and our guys scrambled back to get that lead, and we just wanted to get an inning or two out of a couple of young guys, and it didn't happen again. You know, we're trying to get those guys going, and then we lose by a run, and so then you know, you'd start thinking, well, we should have left him in, and but really we did the right thing by taking him out, and and uh, thought we could win with the other guys. They're good pitchers. They just they just didn't get it done, and but we had our chances to win that game. We had a runner at first and second, eight hole, nine hole. We didn't get a bunt down, even if it was for a hit or a sack, and we just didn't get it down. And the next guy, sure enough, hits a deep fly ball, would have tied it. And it, it was, yeah. So there was bittersweet because, man, everybody was upset because we didn't win the game. It wasn't about winning it outright. We were already SEC champs. We never played Florida. I mean, we had incredible, incredible 30 games for us. It was just that we just didn't win that game. And uh, but it's sunk in now. It's sunk in a, a day and a half later. And we talked about it as a team, and we celebrated as a team, and congratulated each other. And uh, we moving on. More with Dave Van Horn after a break. This is the Razorback Sports Network from Learfield. My name is Jersey Wolfenberger, and I'm a guard for the Arkansas Razorbacks. To be a Razorback is something more than just being a player on the court. For me, it's being able to represent my state. The care team at UAMS Health makes you feel like it's a one-on-one relationship. It is a family atmosphere. They want you to get better because they care. I personally rely on UAMS Health a lot. Just to have them as part of the team means a lot to me. UAMS Health, the official orthopedics and sports medicine provider for Razorback Athletics. Sonic has something delicious for you. Hey, announcer guy, that's your cue. The new Sonic Griller tastes like it was made in your own backyard. A juicy burger with smoky char-grilled flavor that's topped with